Good morning. It really, really is good to see everybody here. This room is foolish in a good way. And, um, and I just want to say uh, that we're excited uh, that every single one of you are here. And all of you that are joining us online, uh, we're excited that you, you guys are, are uh, watching and listening to this. We have been prayerful and aware that God is going to work in mighty ways. And he's going to speak this morning to the things that we need to attend to this morning. But I have to say, just a personal note, we've said this a few times, but AFCers, we're so glad that you guys are here. And we praise God for your presence and praise God that you, uh, you do so much, much for us. And so thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, so like Monty said, my name is Sean uh, Burrow, and I... Um, not only am I one of the ministers here, but I have the privilege of being the clinical director at the A&M Christian Counseling Center. And uh, that uh, center has been, uh, we have been open for 10 plus years now. And uh, so we have been making a difference uh, in this community, and that's been one of the heart and ministries of this church. And, and it's just exciting to see what God continues to do. So on Sunday mornings, we've been uh, learning about how to become peacemakers. Um, this series has honestly been a blessing for me, and I encourage you that if you've missed any of these sermons in this series, to go back and you'll find those online and to listen to those, and you'll be blessed as well. So this morning, we're going to talk about an issue that has probably affected the majority of us in this room, anxiety. If, uh, if we had an opportunity to share our stories, we might be here for a while because anxiety hits every single one of us one time or another. But I'd like for uh, Harrison, one of our uh, AFCers, to head this way. He's going to read our uh, scripture this morning. So if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Peter 5. And Harrison's going to be reading 5 through 11. First Peter 5, verse, or verses 5 through 11. All of you with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Harrison. So, um, this morning, it says, all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another. That's one us the to be thinking about that as we get going this morning. So we are experiencing a higher level of anxiety 
um, with so many challenges that are going on in our lives. The uncertainty that COVID has brought to our life since March. The election that's coming up. So many personal things that are going on. Have you had enough? Have you had enough? To be honest, anxiety hits us. And most of the time, we don't know what to do with it. It floods in. So this morning, we're going to be talking about the underlining battle with worries and fears. Before we get going, I want us to define anxiety. Just give something that all of us can, can see up here on the, on the screen. So anxiety is the feeling of inner turmoil caused by the uncertainty of a potential loss or failure. Potential loss or failure. Chances are you're struggling. And this is interesting. According to the, the national health, anxiety is the number one health problem among women. And only to drugs and alcohol. So it's the second leading for men. And if you're a teenager, if you're a college student, you're struggling with at an alarming level. I don't know if you've seen that movie uh, Inside Out. It's a pretty great movie. I want you to remember if you have seen it. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's this movie about these inside parts, right? Characters that are in our mind. It's fear. It's anger. Uh, it's joy. Um, sadness, right? So all these characters are up in our head. And the scene is this girl moves from her her town that she's not in the classroom for the first time, and you see fear come running in. The girl sits down, the fear comes running in and lays down this big stack of papers of all the fears and the possibility of the what ifs. It's, it's really an interesting scene as we think about that. It just floods in. And of course, if you continue with that scene, um, the teacher said, of course, ask one of the top three no-nos. And of course, that goes into panic. You can see fear going into that panic mode. I can honestly connect with that. A couple of years ago, I was at a workshop uh, speaking, and I don't know if you've heard of the name Jeff Walling. I heard this guy in junior high. And and so he's had 30 years of just doing incredible speaking, speaking to thousands of people. And guess what? I was following this guy. So I was next on the docket to speak after Jeff Walling, of all people, a prolific speaker. And he was speaking about the, the goodness, the greatness of, of God. And he just set this up, and he hit a home run, and he was excited everybody was excited and into it and guess what I was talking about depression <laughs> so I was not only after Jeff Walling one of the guys that I admire and love the way that he speaks then he does a home run and I'm sitting there just I mean seconds as as these what ifs come flooding in right I'm thinking well what if I man this is a what if this is a bomb you know all my insecurities started you know jumping in there because I'm I'm talking about depression. 
So I, I know what this feels like. We each have that scenario that we can probably think of in our world, in our life, that that's happened. Max Lucado has this great quote, anxiety is a meteor shower of what ifs. What if I don't get the job? What if I don't find a job? What if I don't make the team? What if my kids get sick? What if I don't get the grades to get into grad school? What if? Just bombards us. You can fill in the rest. So in Philippians 4, 6, Paul is writing to the church here, right? And he says, don't be anxious about anything. I just listed out a whole list of things that we can be anxious. And then Paul confronts and says this. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Anything. Seriously, Paul? Have you lived more than 10 minutes? But God understands we struggle with this. And, or or he, hadn't, he wouldn't have addressed this over and over and over in the New Testament. See, another great quote is, Anxiety stems from carrying things or something you weren't meant to carry. Anxiety can get heavy. Anxiety can get overwhelming. Anxiety can get super heavy. Now, in the first service, I, I tried to pick this up, and I'm going to put it in the backpack. I'm not going to carry it because I almost dropped this bad boy in the first one. But just imagine the heaviness that anxiety puts on us. One decision at a time, it overwhelms us. But what we do is we, we don't deal with it. We pack it away, and then we get this backpack we want to carry it. We want to carry it around school. We want to carry it around work. We want to carry it around everywhere that we're going. It gets heavy. Anxiety gets heavy. We carry it around. We carry around the expectations. Just think about your backpack for a moment, right? We carry around the expectations of our parents. We carry around the fears of not being enough. We carry around the uncertainty of the future of our country. We carry around the anxiety over the unknowns of life. Anxiety is a condition of the mind that is pulling in two directions. Have you ever felt like that? I know what I'm supposed to think. I know what's logical and right. But then I have this other part of me that becomes fearful, uncertain. And it's this tug of war that I constantly find myself in. And the result is an emotional state of distress that dominates my thoughts and disrupts even my sleep. It could be fueled by present circumstances or the fear, even the fear of what could happen. Just the what ifs, what ifs. In this mental tug of war, we can experience exhaustion. And it creates a number of emotional reactions. Now listen to this list. Frustration, aggravation, depression, isolation, and sometimes even hopelessness. I will always struggle with this. Right? Sometimes we have that thought or that emotion. It's because we find ourselves in this. So... Bottom line, this morning, my prayer is this is going to bring some freedom in Christ 
that you can use in your life. Because as Harrison mentioned a while ago and read our, our verse is, and we started with uh, verse 5, the second half there, because the first half, you know, the first half of, of that chapter, uh, Peter was talking to the elders. And then he went to the younger. And then he says, in the second part of verse 5, he says, all of you, he says, all of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up in due time. He starts out with all of you. He says, clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself. He says that very intentionally because it's what people see. It's intentional. I guarantee that I had to get the check mark from my girls this morning before I went out because I need to be it's what people see in the same way we're representing Christ in this way. Wait, Sean, I thought we were, I thought we were talking about anxiety, not humility. But listen to this. There's a critical connection between humility and anxiety. See, Peter goes on uh, to say that God opposes the proud. God actively works against those who are all about themselves. Pride says that I've got this, that I'm enough. So pride says I got this. Humility says I don't have this. I need something bigger, stronger than myself. I've tried to think it. I've tried to act it all by myself, and it's not working. God, I need you. I'm going to trust you. And God gives grace to the humble. If I try to solve all our problems, all my problems, God will let us stumble through it. He'll let me stumble through it. If you want to do, do it all by yourself. You can still be a child of God, but God, being who he is and who his nature is, is ready for you to lean on him and allow for him to solve your problem and how he can bless your life from that. God is more than willing to take care of you. He's more than willing to turn uh, your worry and fear situation around. Understand God is God and I need to recognize that I'm not. He is all powerful. He can solve all problems. Let God do his thing. Now we need to do, what we need to do is humble ourselves and come to realize that we cannot do it. And I love, I love this transition that he comes from clothe yourself, right? Now we're, as Christians, we can, we can begin to see the buildup. In verse 7 it says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast means hurl or throw with force. Cast our worries to the Lord with force. Just think about that. The word, this anxious word in, in Greek means to be anxious or to be troubled with cares. So Peter says, cast all your anxieties and troubles on him. The Bible did not say just tell your troubles to the Lord. 
He said, cast your troubles to the Lord. We need to throw all our anxieties, stress, fear on the Lord, just like the fishermen cast the nets into the sea and let it go. God says, cast them on me. I will care for you. This is where we recognize that this heavy backpack, it's time to take it off. I don't know if you've ever been hiking in the mountains or you've had a backpack on for a long time that's been pretty heavy. Do you remember the sensation when you pulled that and put that backpack down? It was just like a relief. That heaviness was lifted. You can lead a worry-free life and see how I'm going to lead you. That's what he says. That's what God says. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then he moves into the relationship piece. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. One of the reasons we worry is because we try to figure everything out in our own thinking, processing. We try to solve it. And all this does is lead to frustration, confusion, and we end up trying to carry this load all by ourselves. That's never been God's plan. From the very beginning, it's never been his plan for his creation to hold on to that. But how do I know that he cares for me? What's the evidence? How can I trust that God really cares? Well, at the core of our faith, we have the cross. God looked at us and knew the needs of his children. He knows us. And he knew that we needed his son. Through the resurrection, we have been freed from sin into the story of restoration. If I, if I had time, we would walk through Ephesians 1 which is a great reminder of our identity in Christ Jesus. I love this. As we move in verse 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. It's interesting. Be alert and sober mind. These two verbs are different, but they go hand in hand. So don't be caught, bottom line, don't be caught sleeping um, paying, you need to pay attention. This is important. Don't let your guard down. Because your enemy, the devil, is prowling around. He uses many tactics, temptations, fears, loneliness, worry, doubt. Especially loves it when we become weary, distracted, distanced from God and the church, and other believers. I want you to hear that once again, because I wonder if with this much time that we've been in this point of anxiety, as we, hit, we feel weary, we feel distracted and distanced from God. But listen to, to verse 9. It says, resist him. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Resist him. We are able to do this because we are standing firm in the faith. Not in my understanding or abilities, but God's ability to face 
every suffering. God's calling us to do this, not when things are going well. He actually says, we actually do it better when we're suffering. Verse 10, and the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, and after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Peter describes the Lord as the God of all grace. You follow the God of all grace. He who has known you from the very first day is the God of all grace. He does not mean that God is gracious in his tendencies or simply gracious by his nature, but he himself is the reservoir, the home, the source, the supply, and grace in all its manifestations. The one who knows all your secrets is the God of all grace. The God who knows about your pornography is the God of all grace. The one who knows about your unfaithfulness is the God of all grace. Because you're talking about the God of all grace who works in your suffering to restore you and to make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And after you suffered for a little while. And you have to remember that Peter was writing to a group of people that were in a great time of suffering. We might ask, uh, do I have to suffer? Um, what does a little while mean? We feel weak when we suffer. But this is, this is the part that I want us to hold on to in our weakness, in our suffering is he makes us strong. This reminds us of a kingdom focus. I'm reminded of of what Paul also wrote in 2 Corinthians 12.10. says, this is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. After we suffered... Peter tells us he will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God is not the God of some grace. He is the God of all grace, including the infinite and exhaustible stores of future grace, future grace that we need to endure to the end. So as we wrap up, I want to remind us, I want to give us three reminders and maybe three practical pieces of what we can do and learn from God this morning. Number one is let your anxiety be the ping to prayer. Let anxiety be the ping to prayer. Okay, so I I don't know if, uh, if you have one of these, but... I don't know if you have the same disease that I do, but every time it pings, rings, dings, man, I'm, I'm paying attention. I'm going right straight to that bad boy. Actually, got, I was guilty out in, in between first and second service. I, I told this story, and then I actually, my watch dinged, and I went down like this, and someone went, ha! And it, it just it was almost natural. I remember when my dad actually uh, first got his phone, of course, remember, and he put it on his hip. He had one of those hip carriers for your phone. 
And, uh, and so, man, I tell you, every time that he heard that ring or ding, whatever it did, he was so excited. And so it kind of, uh, it kind of went like this, and, and it took him a while because he was new at this. And it took him a while to get it up there. So naturally, being the way that we are, my brothers and I, we would probably call him every two minutes and just watch it. But it's a reminder that anxiety is the ping to prayer. Every time that we have a thought, a what if, a concern, a worry, a stress, it's a ping to prayer. Second, control what you can control and let go the rest. This almost feels too simplistic, but I want you to imagine that some of you are trying to carry people and problems that are way beyond your capacity. And I want you to imagine that if you were to write down all your stresses, your concerns, and what ifs, you're thinking, Sean, you don't know how many I have. Believe me, I put these down. And on the other side, I begin to make a list of what I cannot do, I cannot control. I can do nothing about those things. Control what you can control and let go of the rest. God's promise is that he will restore you. Restore you and make you love this strong, firm, and steadfast. Third, third, this third one is more about your identity. It's you are loved. Anxiety can create this sense of being alone and isolated. And God reminds us that he cares for you the depth of his care is is of course seen on the cross it's the essence of the gospel it's the good news that no matter what sin brokenness that I'm into that he has forgiveness and he restores me therefore I'm able in his power and his will to be firm in him you are loved he can take care of you now. He can take care of your future. He's big enough. He's your creator. He's the one that loves you intensely. If you need to know more about Christ today, I want to, wel- I want to welcome you to, to inquire. If this, is, if this is your first time here, you want to know about this church, we're going to have people in the Welcome Center ready for you. If this is a point where you're like, you know, I need to know more about Jesus Christ. I need to know more about that gospel. We're going to have people back there. If you need prayers, if you're at a point where you know that you can't do it, anxiety is overwhelming. We have, we're going to have people, elders, shepherds, and some of the ministers back there ready to pray with you. I want you to think about this, this song that Monty is about to, uh, to lead. I want you to look at the words and see the hope that's in this.